The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall establish. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And good day, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. All the boat rockers are in the house and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and also SonsofLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com, and there at the top of the page you're going to see two videos. The one on the left is Bradley's show from yesterday, so if you missed that and you'd like to hear it, or if, or if you've never heard Bradley and you want to tune in and uh, hear what he has to say, that's on the left side of the page there. That will be there until 3 o'clock, at which time I'm assuming he's going to be there live. <laughs> <laughs> if not, then there'll be an education video there. Either way, at 3 o'clock, that will change, all right? And uh, hopefully Bradley is going to be on at 3 today. Also on the right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button, blow it up on whatever device you've got, and then um, click on the Rumble icon, bottom right-hand corner. 
And uh, you can join us in the chat over there on Rumble. And we are streaming live to Rumble, Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Uh, also, beforeitsnews.com, top of the page there. DLive.tv at the Sons of Liberty. A uh, number of Facebook pages that bear my name, personal and public. And then also on Twitch at The Real Tim Brown. And if you're on Twitter for whatever that's worth, uh, it's The Real Tim Brow. Don't put the N there and then put a 2 in its place and you're good to go there. Right up under where we're streaming live is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Those go out once in the evening every day. And uh, those are all the articles that we carry here at Sons of Liberty Media. And then if you want our ministry email, which goes out once a week on Saturdays, it tells you what we're doing in the ministry, where we've been, what you know, whatever's going on there. Uh, you can sign up for those on Sons of Liberty Radio. Dot com. All right. And then finally, if you care about uh, helping us, keeping us out there, you wish to support us in any way, and, and lots of you do, and we're very grateful to you guys for that. So thank you very much. There's a donate button at the top of sonsoflibertymedia.com. Click on that and make a one-time donation or partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty. And again, we do really appreciate you guys. In our story this week, I'm just going to highlight this, uh, even though it didn't fully load up. I don't know why uh, Squarespace doesn't do that properly, but anyway, sometimes it doesn't do that. Uh, grass doesn't work, the rocks do. This is Bradley's book. I believe it's normally $11, I think, this week only through Saturday at midnight. You can get it for 9 bucks. No promo code needed. Just head over there to our store, which you can link to off of sonsoflibertymedia.com. Uh, if you're going there straight away, it'll be thesonsoflibertysquarespacecom And uh, you can find the Grass Doesn't Work, The Rocks Do book if you are interested in picking that up. It's available this week only. Again, $9, no promo code needed. You can get it uh, just like it is. All right. Uh, One of the things that I want to do this morning, you know, again, this is going to be kind of leading into what we're going to talk about this morning because there is uh, a lot of... uh, You guys have heard it. Anytime the somebody's guilt is found out anytime somebody's doing something they're not supposed to be doing. And you point it out. You hear it all the time, don't you? Judge not lest you be judged. Or let him with who is without sin cast the first stone. Now, they don't know any other scriptures, but they'll know that. Well, they might know the mark of the beast thing, because remember, we're, we're playing with people who get focused on everything else but what they're supposed to be focused on. And so they'll say, judge not lest you be judged. I don't judge you even though they turn right around and judge you. That's what they really do. So anyway, there, there, there's the issue there. Uh, this is, um, I don't know if you guys saw it. Many of you probably have. This is a neighbor of, uh, of the Pelosi's. And she is, she came out and said what was going on. I want you just to take a listen to what this lady said. Uh, concerning, you know, what was going on at the Pelosi's and this attack uh, by a, an alleged sodomite, maybe uh, Paul's a sodomite friend here. And uh, take a listen to what she says. Our vehicle was out of the motion. It was walking past when the Pelosi's son was like a small little girl. And he was on the bus. And the little girl and the son were walking away from the bus. And the guy remained on the bus. And that's when I recognized his face. So the only time I ever saw his face was within like the last few months or so. Or a couple weeks. Do you know like, how he's still he's doing that? No, we try to just avoid them at all costs. Okay. And so they, you know, bother us. Okay. So the last time you saw was a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And he was here for a few days. 
So, so you get the idea, and I apologize. the The audio is not the greatest at all on there. But uh, basically, she's saying that you know they that whatever they stand for, whatever they say they stand for, is not really what they stand for. And so um, she's she's saying that you hear the Black Lives Matter, you hear the thing with the LGBTQ, and all this other stuff uh, that's there. And uh, yet she says what they what they're they're saying they stand for this is the exact opposite of what they're demonstrating there. So, and and boy, that thing is coming un. That whole story is coming out. And look, I think in large measure it's a distraction from what's going on. Uh, but nevertheless, there is an issue in which this has to. I mean, you, you've got to expo- expose it for what it is. Okay. All right. So, uh, with that said, there was um, there was a guy. Let me let me set all this up to kind of help you. Uh, for those of you who may need to hear this, there was a guy years ago, uh, very influential in the conservative outlets. He was on television, um, you know, interviews and things of that nature. And I'm talking about in the Mockingbird media and stuff. Uh, he was working at Liberty Council uh, for Liberty University and such. And we had a we had a conversation because what happened was the site that I was running at that time, uh, Freedom Outpost. We were writing some things dealing with history and also dealing with um, 
you know, the, the biblical aspect dealing with homosexuality, which was one of the issues that he was tackling in the culture. I mean, they had come after him viciously over this. And we were talking uh, because he took, and because Right Wing Watch was watching him, uh, he pulled all the articles of a guy we had who was writing. It was all biblical, um, but it, they pulled all his articles. And then they found my articles he was carrying, and especially the one I did on, you know, what would our founders have done? And, I, and when I say founders, I'm talking about the guys. I, I made mention of the guys who formed the Constitution, but I was talking about even before because I was referencing state law. I was well, uh, referencing William Blackstone and such. So that's where I was going. <clears throat> in the midst of this, I said he he pulled all my articles because of a guy who lives in the Netherlands. He's a filthy guy. Uh, he had a site called Joe My God. You know, he's mocking God is what he's doing. And he was an open sodomite. And <clears throat> he was attacking him. Right Wing Watch was attacking him. And he pulled 300 articles off his website by me that he had had up for months. And <clears throat> it was in response to a sodomite squeaky wheel. That's what it was. Okay, that's all it was. So we had a conversation, and <clears throat> that conversation, I let him have the first words, and he went, you know, Tim, uh, you know, that this, you know, we have this, and, and you're bringing up the death penalty, and blah, 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 and, and he says, I'm out there, and they're just going to focus on that. I said, then focus on that, and tell them the wages of their sin is death, and then give them the gospel. Is, I mean, isn't, <laughs> isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Ah, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? The law drives us to who? To ourselves? To the society? To the Constitution? Nope, it drives us to Christ. To where we plead for mercy, right? I mean, that's the whole point. Anyway, he goes through and he begins to talk to me about Matthew 7. You know, we're not to be judging. And I'm like, well, you're out there making judgments that this is wrong. I, I, I'm, I'm missing it. That's what I'm saying in my mind. I'm letting him talk. And then he goes over to John chapter 8, and we're going to hit both of these this morning, <clears throat> where you have the story, which most manuscripts tell you they don't know if this was in the earliest ones. Nevertheless, the point is made. It's still a biblical uh, response and account and everything that goes on in Matthew cha or John chapter 8. In John chapter 8, you remember there's a woman who's allegedly caught in the act of adultery, and they want to stone her. And they bring it before Jesus, and he says, see, Jesus does away with the death penalty. He doesn't say, you know, the, Moses says this, that, and the other, and he does away with that, and he tells her not to sin anymore, and all this. And I, I just kind of listened, and I said, listen, man, I said, um, do you know what the law is concerning the adultery here? And he said, no. And it was interesting because our family had just read Deuteronomy 22, like two nights, like the night before or two nights before. Something like that. So in God's providence, we had just covered this and, and are reading at night. And I want to save that, but basically I went on to tell him, I said, you know, the law says that the man and the woman are to be stoned. And um, I said, where's the man in this? I, I said, you're saying that, I said, do you believe Jesus was the spotless son of God, that he was the blameless Paschal lamb that was to be offered. He was the lamb that saves his people from their sin. The, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Do you believe that? He said, yeah. I said, 
How could he be that if he's going to distort God's law or if he's going to nullify it in any way? And he goes, I never thought about that. Now, he was, look, I'm just going to tell you, you guys, if you want to look up what it is, I'm not going to get into the technical terms of theological words. Dispensationalism. If you want to look that up, some of you may even hold to it. I don't know. But he was taught in that. I know I know that's what comes out largely of Liberty University. Um, but I know in their law center, it's more, you know, how our forefathers saw things in the Reformed camp. And again, if you want to look those things up, you can look them up. I, I'm not here to sit here and get you sidetracked off it. I want you to focus on what's going on here. But he has this kind of teaching to where the law is kind of done away with in the sense that and it is done away with in Christ, don't, don't get me wrong, but it doesn't go away for us. In other words, it becomes a standard by which we point people to Christ. It becomes a standard even by which when we talk about we love one another, we, we look to that, right? So in any case, it was interesting and very refreshing for him to catch that and say, I never thought about that before. And there are people today who still want to say, oh, this is done away with, and oh, that's done away with, and such. And there are certain things that are just done away with completely. All of the ceremonial aspects, the temple, all of this, uh, my conversation the other night where my son-in-law and I stayed up to, ah, four in the morning or something again. I was hurting. I was hurting being up that late. Um, But we talked about the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple was God's way of separating and say, look, Old Covenant is... Over here, it's gone away, it's done, it's finished. We're not going back to that. We're moving ahead. That was God's way of doing that. And he used the armies of Rome to do it. And to establish the new covenant. This is what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, the old is passing away to make room for the new. And he was talking about getting rid of the old covenant. The old covenant was not one that saved in and of itself. It didn't. But it was to establish the new covenant. So, today, what do we hear from people? Well, if you point out anything at all, the response is, judge not lest you be judged. Do you got a stone in your hand? Let him who's without sin cast the first stone. And look, I don't pretend to be without sin. That's just, ask anybody in my family. Ask anybody around me. They'll tell you. They probably can point it out. I can point it out. So I'm not trying to to put it up. I'm saying, let's look to the Word of God and let it judge us, and me included. So when I speak this morning, hear what I'm saying, the fingers are pointed at me too. They're not pointed at everybody else. They're pointed at me. But I will give some illustrations of things that we've had. So here's the thing. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. Because, again, there's a lot of people who pick up on on these passages, and they, they pull it out. And if you stood there and said, okay, what's the context? Who's he talking to? What's he talking about? They look at you like a deer in the headlights. They think that was the, that was the only answer they need to give you. And it's kind of like, you know, uh, let me give you this. It's kind of like when people say that they're a believer in the Lord Jesus or they're a Christian. Well, can you tell me what that is? Can, can you tell me what that is? And find out about the conversion and and such. See what's going on there other than just a phrase that they utter. So here's Matthew chapter 7. Let's take a look at it. And here's what it says. And I want to give you the context. You know I'm all about the context because without the context, as an old preacher used to say, it becomes a pretext 
to a proof text so that you can make your point. And that's not what we're looking to do. We're looking to see, okay, what's said here and why is it said and what's being communicated? Okay. So here's the phrase that, you know, even the, the unregenerate, even the most depraved among us will quote. I mean, I think Joe Biden's quoted this. Judge not that ye be not judged. That's, that's where everybody gets, okay? For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? How wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite! First, cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote of thy brother's eye. Give not that which is unholy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. And then he goes on, Ask, and it shall be given. Uh, seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. And he talks about, Or what man is there of you, whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asked a fish, will he give him a serpent? You know, they used to do that in those times. There used to be this kind of <laughs> hypocrisy was there. And Jesus is saying, Will the Father really do that? But there were people who were doing it. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask? And he goes on, he goes on from there. Uh, but here's the thing. What is Jesus laying out here? Is he saying that we don't make any judgments in life? Is that, is that what he's doing? No. No, that's just silly. Listen, everybody listening to me right now will make a hundred or a thousand judgments during the day. You, you, you just will. Now, you're going to make righteous judgments or you're going to make unrighteous judgments. You know, we're told later on Jesus will go on and he says, judge with righteous judgment. Judge with righteous judgment. What does that mean? It means whatever you're judging, you're judging by the standard of righteousness, which is what? God's moral law. Oh, but the law was done away with in Christ. Not if you're out from under him. That law weighs heavy on you. Jesus said he didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Let, yet he went on, John 3, 16, he talks about, you know, get the Father send his Son into the world to be the Savior of the world, that those who believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then he goes on, he says, he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Nevertheless, those who don't believe are condemned already. They're condemned already. We are, we are watching dead men walking not only in the United States here, but around the world. And any true believer knows that. We are in a zombie apocalypse to, to make it more, I don't know, appealing to those who are younger into that kind of thing. We are in a zombie apocalypse. There are dead men walking, and the only cure is not a shot to the head, it's a shot to the heart with the gospel. And uh, so that, that's what we're doing. So when he says this, what is he saying? He says, for with 
with, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. See, we don't want to hold a standard up to somebody that God's not held up to us. That's what we don't want to do. And the Pharisees of the day were so guilty of making standards that they thought they could keep and calling it law. I mean, <clears throat> this thing that was, oh, it's a Sabbath day journey. Well, you'd have so far that you could go on the Sabbath without getting in trouble with these guys, right? These, these were the ultimate, these were the first, uh, not the first, but they were, they were the tyrants of Israel. Let's put it that way. They were making up law to try to bolster themselves. And so they would have something like a, a Sabbath day's journey. And then they would, have, they, would, they would have little loopholes that they could do. Oh, you can tie a rope to your foot to your house. And so that'll extend it out so many feet. You can read some of this. I think that it's in the Mishnah uh, that, they, that they had. You could r- read some of this stuff. And Jesus was addressing this. This is why he would say uh, in Matthew 5 through 7, he would talk about, You have heard it said, but I say unto you. Okay. He was addressing these Talmudic Jews who had abandoned the written word of God and they had followed the oral traditions and the perversions that came um, you know, through those who were doing something other than what was written. Okay. And he says, whatever you're gonna be, whatever, however you're judging, we're gonna judge you. And you see Jesus, he's constantly doing this. Um, again, going back to the conversation my son-in-law had and I the other night, we, we talked about that. We talked about Matthew 23, where he comes in and he's, he continues, says, hypocrites, brood of vipers. I mean, this is Jesus, guys. He's not some little panty-waisted Robert Jeffress, okay? He, he's not a guy like that. He tells it like it is, and he doesn't care if you like it or not. He's going to speak the truth because the truth is what's supposed to drive you to himself. Okay? So he doesn't care about that. He speaks the truth. Why? Because there's dead men walking. And what do dead men do? They stink and they rot. That's what they do. And the son came to save that which was lost, right? That's what he came to do. Now, he does have words to tell us. Uh, He wants to tell us to examine ourselves Take the, mo- the, the, the beam out of our own eye so we can deal with the speck in our brothers, which is a good thing. It's interesting, uh, years ago, again, while I was at Freedom Outpost, I had a friend down in Georgia, his name was uh, Shay, and Shay contributed some articles uh, to the site, and I was very appreciative to it. He's very thorough, um, highly intelligent guy, but he, you know, he, he was great at just kind of laying out stuff. And uh, one of the things he he sees he saw in this passage was how Jesus was sort of mocking the Pharisees. Um, this is something that he wrote in Matthew seven three. Jesus mocks the Pharisees who were corrupt, who struggle with great sin, but takes it upon themselves to fix or judge another person who commits a less serious, similar sin. It's kind of like you remember the parable that Jesus told where he said there was a servant who owed his master a great sum of money and he was like falling on his face when the when the tabs when it was, everything was tallied and then he said uh he said forgive me i he says if you'll if you'll give me time i'll pay it back he couldn't pay it back 
And the, the master looked down on him in compassion and mercy and said, his debt was forgiven. The same guy who'd been forgiven, what did he do? He went right out immediately, found his fellow servant, who owed him a small amount of money, grabbed him by the throat and said, pay me what you owe or I'll throw you in jail. And the guy said, he pleaded with him just like he, that guy did for his master. And the guy didn't have any compassion for him. He didn't have any love for him. And he said, nope, off to the jail you go, into the shackles you go. And when the master heard about it, when the king heard about it, what did he do? He was angry. His wrath was kindled against the servant that he had just forgiven this massive amount of debt that he could never repay. Didn't matter how long he worked. And he brought him before him and he said, I'm going to turn you over to the torturers. You're going to pay to the last penny. Or to the tormentors, excuse me. To the tormentors. Till you pay the last penalty. This is what these guys were doing. And so Shea wrote this. He said, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? And he says, See how plank and sawdust, or beam and splinter in some versions, are similar. They are both wood, the same thing. One is simply lesser than another. This is what tells us that Matthew 6, 1-6 means, Do not judge others for the same sin you're committing. Remember, Paul points this out over in Romans chapter 2. He says, Those of you who say don't steal, are you raiding you know, temples for idols? Do you, do you say don't commit adultery? Are you committing adultery? He's asking them the same thing. Don't do that. Do not judge others for the same sin that you're that you can be measured by. He's telling that to the religious leaders of the day. The religious leaders of the day. And yet, if we go over, and let me let me. Th- this is part of the context, by the way. He will talk about judging with a righteous judgment. Um, and this is in a parallel gospel. I didn't bring this one up. I apologize. Let me Give me just a second uh, because I want people to see it. Because I, I think it's important that when we talk about these things, people see the context. Now, I know some of you already have your Bibles out and you're writing down stuff and marking things and this, that, and the other. But I want you to see exactly what's going on here. So let's take, uh, let's take Jesus here. Uh, Ma- this is going to be from John chapter 7. Here's what he says. And the Jews, uh, this beginning in verse 15, and the Jews marveled saying, how knoweth this man letters having never learned? You know, Jesus didn't go to the finest schools. But we do know that he was around all of the religious leaders, don't we? Because at 12 years old, that's what he was doing. He was asking them questions so that they were amazed at his understanding. Yeah, because he was seeing their hypocrisy. He was seeing what God had said, and he was watching what they were saying. And he's like, yeah, I'm sure he was asking them questions that left them with their mouths open and probably fuming, some of them probably fuming and red-faced. At 12 years old, by the way. Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. In other words, it's God's. What I, that, and doctrine is not a four-letter word, guys. I know some people want to come out and say theology is bad. No, it's not. It's simply the study of God. That's all it means. Doctrine is bad. No, it's simply teaching. And we want sound doctrine, which is correct teaching. 
He says, my doctrine is not mine, but he is that sent me. And if any man will do this, he shall know of the doctrine, the one that I'm bringing, which is from the Father, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. You're going to know. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory. So if you've got a guy preaching his own doctrine, he's looking to gain something from it. Remember what 2 Peter 2 He's usually looking to gain one of two things or both, money or sexual favors. Read 2 Peter 2. You can even read into Jude. Peter is saying these false teachers were coming in the first century. Jews said they're already here. We're contending with them. And you can see them laid out. They're men who creep in unawares, uh, leading silly women along, laden with diverse lusts. But he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you keepeth the law? Why ye, why go ye about to kill me? Huh. Did Jesus keep the law? You bet your bottom dollar he did. Every aspect, even to the heart. Even to the heart he kept it. Let me just throw this in for a second. I had a good friend, um, <clears throat> Jewish guy. Great conversations around the law. Really, great conversations. But the problem was, every time when I got into him about ceremonies and stuff, because I said, you want to hold on to that law? Um, I'm keeping it. How am I keeping it? I don't need a temple to keep it. I have the temple. I have the reality of the temple. In fact, I'm a part of that temple. He's made me that. You, you 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 want to keep uh, the day the day of pass uh, the Passover. You want to keep the day of atonement, but you want to water it down. You don't do what God says. You you sort of the same thing is true with Doctor Laura. If you've ever listened to that lady, she thinks the day of fasting is what she needs on on the day of atonement. That's not what the Bible says. It's not what God says you have to do with it. But for the believer who sees that Christ is the fulfillment of the day of atonement. We've kept that. We've kept all of the law. Not we've done it in ourselves. We have the righteousness of Christ, the one who has kept it perfectly. All of the feasts, all of the sacrifices, all of those things, all of the moral law of God are fulfilled in Christ. And guess what? The promises of God to those who obey him are yes and amen in Christ and not outside of him. And I would always press this on my Jewish friend. I would say, look, man, you keep distorting what you love. You say you love God's law. You say you love Jesus because you can't see him sinning. I agree with you. But then you distort God's law to fit because you can't keep it. Because you have no way of keeping it. See, this is part of the destruction of Jerusalem. It's why it's such an important thing that many preachers will not preach about. God said, I'm done with that. Those were pictures and types. They're not the reality. My son is the reality. Listen to him. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Isn't that the words he uttered numerous times? I'm well pleased with Jesus. I'm not well pleased with your sacrifices. I'm not well pleased with the temple. I'm not well pleased with the priesthood you've got going on down there. That I, Even though he established all of it, they had distorted it and maligned it and everything else. And so he goes on to say this. 
Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you keepeth the law? Why do you go about to kill me? And the people answered and said, Thou hast a devil. Oh, my goodness gracious. You're talking about blasphemy. You're talking about an antichrist spirit. Thou hast a devil. Who goeth about to kill thee? Well, the, the, the Pharisees have been doing it. They were at a cliff. They were going to push him over. They, were, they wanted to stone him. Oh, my goodness. They forget so easily. And Jesus answered and said unto them, I have done one work, and ye all marvel. Moses therefore gave unto you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers. Now, let me let me kind of just tack this on. I don't want to get off on a, on, a, on a tangent here. If any of you guys want to call me, um, you know, if you message me or whatever, I'll, I'll try to have a conversation with you if, you if you need some understanding in this. Moses gave you circumcision. What was circumcision? Circumcision was the sign that you were in the covenant that God had gave. It didn't mean you were among, didn't mean you were an elect person. It didn't mean you were actually a believer. It means you were born into a, a family that had, that was in covenant with God. Ishmael got circumcision just like Isaac, except he got it obviously at thirteen years old. Esau got circumcision just like Jacob was. One was elect, one was not. One was one was the son of promise, one was not. In both those scenarios. And I see the same thing, Matthew 18, or 28, uh, 19 and 20. You'll see there, and Colossians 2 lays it out, circumcision's been replaced with baptism. It's no longer just for the males. It's for male and female. We see that example uh, all throughout the book of Acts, especially in the household of Lydia, her and all her household. Yeah, but they were believers. What well, doesn't say that? It says they were baptized. This is the covenant sign saying you are part of the covenant and you're either going to be covenant keepers or you're going to be covenant breakers. The sign doesn't save anybody any more than circumcision saved the people of the Old Testament. The baptism doesn't save people in the New Testament either. And the problem is, is that people like Rome and the papacy have so distorted baptism that they say, oh, when we baptize a child, they become regenerate. Well, Nobody I know, well, let me change that. I know some people who believe that, but nobody I know who would hold to sound doctrine would say such a thing. They don't believe that. Do they believe that God can regenerate the child at baptism? Yeah, God can regenerate the child in the womb. We see that with John the Baptist, full of the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. But they distort it to the sense that, well, if you commit a quote-unquote mortal sin, all sins are mortal, by the way. All sin is destroying us. That leads to death. It is the serum flowing through our veins that is killing us, our lawlessness against God. And so, in our family, we baptize children in order to give them the sign of the covenant. Well, they don't know anything about it. Well, they don't have to. I can tell them about it. They don't know of the wondrous works of God, Psalm 78, that we're supposed to teach them. I have to teach them that. They weren't living back then. In the biblical days, they weren't living all through history. They have to be taught those things. That's, an irre- that's a relevant argument for what's going on here. And so he says this. He says, Moses therefore gave unto you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers. And ye on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. If a man on the Sabbath day receive circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken, are ye angry at me because I have made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day? Remember, he took this guy who had the withered hand, and he said, stick out your hand, and he made it whole. And they were saying he was doing work on the Sabbath. No, he wasn't. He was fulfilling the law 
in the positive aspect of do not kill. He was seeking to heal. He was seeking to make whole. And then he says this, Judge not according to the appearance of what you think you're seeing here, but judge righteous judgment. Now, I I would love, I wish I had phone lines to open. I I would do it. uh, Because I would love to ask people who want to quote from Matthew chapter 7, judge not lest you be judged, and say, okay, what do you do with this? Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Is Jesus contradicting himself? No, that's not at all what he's doing. He's not contradicting himself at all. And so he goes on and he lays these things out. And yet today, this is exactly what we hear on. Judge not lest you be judged. Boy, I mean, I played this piece here of uh, Pelosi's neighbor. And talking about the hypocrisy there. Well, that's exactly what he's talking about. They're not judging with a righteous judgment. Here's Nancy Pelosi who gets up and kind of slurs out whatever she's saying about Black Lives Matter or abortion or whatever the thing is she's saying. Then she'll talk about how religious she is. You, you guys, I wish I, I probably should have pulled up this, uh, this video where she goes on. If you've never seen it, just put in Nancy Pelosi and the word. You've never heard such a bunch of drivel in all your life. Somebody attempting to sound as though they're spiritual and they look like a fool, and they sound like one, too. I mean, they just sound that way, like they don't have a thinking brain cell in their head. So I can remember, I make reference to this article from my friend Shay. I remember when we put this out on Freedom Outpost. And I forget what he had titled it, something about the argument of homosexuals, or I, I forget what it was. Anyway, we put it out. I don't think I've ever had so many Filthy com- And when I'm talking about filthy comments, I'm not talking about four-letter words that are used. I'm talking about degenerate kind of stuff you would never say to anybody. Sodomite kind of talk. Okay? Probably 1,200 comments on this thing inside of the first 24 hours. I was happy about it because I said, well, at least they're hearing the truth here. If they're willing to read it, who knows who God reached through that? He may have reached some of them. Praise the Lord for that if he did. I don't know. But this was, this was part of the problem. And so it doesn't matter if, you're, if, if, if a person's a sodomite, they'll use this term. It doesn't matter if they're a thief, they'll use this term or this phrase. It doesn't matter if they're a murderer, they'll use this phrase. It doesn't matter if they're cheating somebody, they'll use this phrase. Are you using this as an excuse? Judge not lest you be judged. Are you using that as an excuse so somebody doesn't point the finger at your sin? You know, part of the issue of brothers and sisters, at least in the church, is when we do that, we're doing it privately. We're not supposed to be doing it out before the world. We're supposed to be showing love and compassion. We're supposed to be, you know, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sin. We're supposed to go to our brother. We're not to try to embarrass him. Why? Because the Bible says, Be wary, you who think you stand, lest you fall. Those who are spiritual, you restore the one who's fallen. So I'm not about trying to 
out anybody. I'm not about trying to, you know, dis disgrace anybody or anything like that. This is what it says. Judge with righteous judgment. Keep that in mind. Now, with that said, another passage that will come up is that story there in uh, John chapter 8. And in John chapter 8, we've got the woman taking adultery. These two things go hand in hand. You guys know I'm telling you the truth. Judge not let you be judged. And if you got a stone, you got a stone in your hand, you know. Let him who is without sin cast the first stone. So let's look at John chapter 8. Verse 3. Actually, let's just back up to the first of the chapter. So Jesus went into the Mount of Olives. That's usually where he stayed. That was pretty much his home, from what we can tell, because he didn't have a house of his own. And we know when he would leave the city after he taught in the temple all day, where did he go? He went to the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought up unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. This is what they're accusing her of. Now, the woman doesn't say anything. This is quite interesting. The woman says nothing here. So, there's an accusation that she was caught in the act of adultery. Now, was she? Well, we're not really told here. We're assuming she was. But we're not really told. She doesn't say she was. None of them are going to stand to really testify against her. But they bring it up and they say, she was caught in the very act of adultery, which means she was with a man, right? Isn't that right? Yep, that's what it means. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? See, they're after Jesus. They don't care about this lady. They're after Jesus. He's a threat to them. This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. Ah, boys, just keep going on with your bad self. I'm going to think on this just a little bit. And I'm not going to get into what he's writing on the ground. People have said he's writing their names. People have said he's writing the moral of God. I don't know. It doesn't tell us, and that's not important. That's not important. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him, cast, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground, and, that, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Look at what happened. They were convicted in their conscience. Now, what were they convicted of? That they had lied about what the law says? Because they were lying about what the law says. In a sense, they were leaving out a part of it. I'm going to show you that in a minute. They were lying about the law. And they were distorting the law in order that they might trap Jesus. And this woman was just a, she was just a, a piece of meat to use to trap Jesus. That's what they wanted to do. They didn't care about this woman. They didn't have any love for her or concern for her. In fact, you know, my own, and again, I don't like to speculate, but my thought is many of them probably committed adultery with her. 
And this is why they were convicted at the words he said. You're guilty of the same thing you're accusing this woman of. So, they left, and the woman was standing there. What did they leave out? This is always the case, isn't it? Deuteronomy 22. Remember I told you about my friend we had the conversation with? By the way, like the next day, the guy called me back. And he's like, I've been thinking about what you said all th- th- since you said it. He had never heard that. I, it's, I found that incredible. He said, but you're right on that. And, and the more he thought about it, he said, the more I'm, you're right about what you're saying. There. I praise the Lord. I'm not right. God's right. You know, I just happened to stumble upon it because his spirit led me there. But here's Deuteronomy 22. Look at what he says. And we just went over, we, we referenced Deuteronomy 22, what, a couple of weeks ago, I think, here on the show. Deuteronomy 22. If a man be found lying with a woman married to an husband, then they shall both of them die, both the man that lay with the woman and the woman, so shalt thou put away evil from Israel. That's the law. That's what Moses gave. That's what God gave through Moses. If you've got a woman who's married and she's having sexual relations with another man who's not her husband, they both are to be put to death. It's a serious issue. It's a serious issue. And what do we see over here? They brought just the woman. Which tells us they're either covering for one of their buddies or they're all, they've all been with this woman. It, there's something going on there in which they were unwilling to bring the man forward. And this was a great travesty and injustice to women at the time. This is why when you go back in the Old Testament, you're to see that if a man put a woman away, he was to give her a writ of divorce. Because that was not God's intent from the beginning. And Jesus says so, by the way. Are there, are there grounds for a divorce? Yep. Jesus, or God gave Israel a writ of divorce. Read the book of Jeremiah. He lays that out. He gave her a writ of divorce. Why? Because he had been patient and patient and patient, and she continued on her adulteries, her spiritual adulteries, going after false gods. She was having intimacy with the false gods instead of the true God. So, the woman is left alone. We go back over into, and I don't mean to be jumping, I I just wanted to make the point as to what the law was here in the passage that, uh, that we're talking about here in John chapter 8. And here's what we read. The woman standing in the midst is just her and Jesus. Maybe there's a crowd around, but basically it's just them two. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. Now think about that just a second. The Bible tells us that by the witness of two or three, out of the mouth of two or three, the matter is confirmed, right? It also tells us the ninth commandment is not to commit perjury. You're not to bear a false witness against your neighbor. That's what that's about. Here were men who came bearing false witness against this woman. And by by the false witnesses, they're not holding it to the standard of the law. She might have been guilty. I don't know. But one thing we do see is that she says, 
There's nobody here to condemn. And what does Jesus say? Pay close attention to this. Verse 11. She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Wait for it. Go and sin no more. The simple phrase of that is, Lady, stop sinning. Stop doing what's going to end your life. What's going to destroy you. Stop doing that. And what do we hear in the church today? Well, the church tells you, oh, yeah, yeah, it's okay that you sin. It's just natural. No, we're to be those who are pressing towards a trajectory of not sinning. Not sinning more. Paul says, should we sin that grace abounds? God forbid. No, we shouldn't do that. And the passage goes on and it reads like this. And Jesus spake again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Are you walking in darkness, friend, or are you walking in the light? Because John goes on in his first epistle to talk about that. Are you walking in light or are you walking in darkness? Which one are you in? And then he talks about himself. And he says this. This is the part that ends. Ye judge after the flesh. I judge no man. And yet, if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I am the Father that sent me. And he also talks about, in the epistle of John, he talks about, there are two that bear record in heaven, the Father and the Spirit. And then he talks about the water and the blood. Those are witnesses. My friends, Jesus has come to save sinners such as you and such as me. Doesn't matter if you're involved in sodomy. It doesn't matter if you're involved in theft. It doesn't matter if you're involved in adultery. It doesn't matter if you're involved in lying. If you have a covetous heart, if you're an idolater, if you take the Lord's name in vain, if you've made other gods, God came to save sinners just like you because there is no other kind. But he says you come to him on his terms and his terms are go and sin no more. Are you still trying to justify your sin? Don't judge me lest you be judged. Don't pick up that you got a rock in your hand. Or does your mouth stop before the law of God and your knee bow before the Lord Jesus and saying, have mercy on me, a sinner. I pray it's the latter. I pray it's the latter. God, have a great day today. Uh, Bradley, be with you at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com. And then we'll be back with you in the morning. Common Core Diva with us for Rotten of the Core Wednesday. Talk to you then. See you.